Good to see you this morning. Happy Labor Day to you. And uh, we uh, got some uh, folks traveling uh, because of the holiday weekend, so pray for them. And some out sick, pray for them. And uh, But we're glad you're here. Uh, it will cool off here in a, in a minute. I just... Brother Carl, will you pray before Aaron comes? Thank you, Brother Carl. See, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Wonderful song, um, Free Will Baptist uh, pastor lives in, in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. Now wrote that song. Uh, Doug Little, he pastored in Arkansas for many years. Uh, but such a great message, and it, it should be true of all of us uh, that God has been good to me, uh, and much better. And it doesn't mean that things always are easy. Uh, but God's still good uh, and is still with us, and there's great encouragement uh, in that, I hope. Um, and so uh, this morning we're going to begin looking at Second uh, Peter, um, and I want to ask you this morning, what fruit are you sprouting? You know that you sprout some kind of fruit, and we're, uh, you know, summer's kind of getting over, and pretty soon everything's going to be pumpkin spice everywhere. Uh, and we're getting ready for fall, and uh, just uh, as those uh, seasons change, uh, apples are in harvest, and, you know, it's just several things that we like to eat uh, season where it's uh, sprouting. And uh, you've got an apple tree. Guess what it's going to make? It's going to make apples. You get a crab apple tree. Now, you better know the difference between a crab apple and an apple. Uh, apple's good. Crab apple's no, no good. Don't eat them. Uh, they're, they're super sour, and I don't know that they're good for anything, but the uh, Lord made them anyway, but uh, they're very sour. Uh, and, uh, you know, orange trees make oranges. Uh, fruit trees produce fruit. But Peter wants us to understand that and to see that Christians produce fruit as well. And he said, so he asked this question, and kind of the, this uh, letter is these three chapters, it's not very long, uh, but so powerful and important. It's Peter's last uh, testament, if you will. Uh, Peter is uh, old uh, when he writes this and knows that it's very likely 
that he's going to die soon and probably die by persecution, which church did happen, that Peter was uh, martyred for his faith. Uh, And so he writes this as an encouragement and an admonition for the church because he saw, even in the church's infancy, some uh, beginning warning signs of some things that deeply troubled him. He said, listen, there are some things that uh, I'm seeing that aren't good. And so he writes as a warning uh, and as an admonition and a reminder that if you're a Christian, you should be producing Christian fruit. And so let's take a look at what he has to say. First of all, he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which, you have, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure, for uh, so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent, Uh, to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For... Uh, We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, which was the uh, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never comes by the will of man, but holy men of God who spoke, uh, God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 
And so Peter is, is writing, he says, listen, remember that God has created you and God has changed your life. And it is a marvelous thing. And only God's power and God's grace can change any one of us. But the, the, it is also true that God's power and grace can not only save and change us, it can save and change anyone. Scripture says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But here's the thing, my friend, is that when you are changed, you're not a lost tree anymore. Now you're a saved tree. And just like apple trees produce apples and orange trees produce oranges, Christian trees produce Christian fruit. And so, Peter mentions what some of those fruit are. He mentions that faith. Well, faith is the way that we begin that walk with Jesus and that our life is changed. But Peter wants us to understand in no uncertain terms that it's not just faith and that's it. It's not just a matter And there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that treat Jesus Christ and salvation as a get-out-of-hell-free card. And they think that, well, it's just one decision, and I go to an altar and pray, or I put my name on a church roll somewhere, and hey, I'm good. And I can go do what I want. That's one of the smartest lies the devil ever came up with. But our relationship with God and the change that God wrought in our life is one that happens through faith. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it is by faith, by grace you are saved. He says, not of works lest any man should boast. God, through his love and his mercy, meets us where we can't get to. We can't get to him because of our sins, so he comes down to us and meets us just where we are. But Peter says, listen, it starts with faith, but that's not where it ends. So he goes on and he says, you know what? To your faith, add some things. And I want to just make a couple uh, mentions of uh, that. He says, so because, listen, you've been changed. You've been saved. You've escaped the condemnation and the mess of this world. Your life's been changed. Therefore... Stir that up and make your calling and election sure. In other words, make sure that you are a child of God. And how you can tell is if you're producing the fruit of a Christian tree. And so he says, give all diligence, in verse 5, add to your faith virtue. We might understand it maybe a little bit better as morality. That's what he's talking about. Uh, knowing the difference between right and wrong. And to virtue, add knowledge. And he's not talking about just knowing stuff. But the idea that he gives, and when you understand the, the implications of what Peter's saying, is not just have knowledge, but the idea is be growing in spiritual knowledge. Be growing in your walk with Christ. Be maturing. No stuff. 
You know, when you're in kindergarten, you learn one plus one is two. And as you go through school, math got a little bit harder, didn't it? And pretty soon you were dealing with all kinds, you know, uh, trigonometry and calculating, you know, graphs and just stuff that makes your head hurt. But if you don't have the basics, you're definitely not going to understand calculus. And most of us probably didn't understand much about calculus anyway. But you've got to have the basics. So, so Peter says, listen, faith is the basics. But it doesn't stop there. You've got to progress and you've got to grow. And I tell you, as long as you're above dirt, you don't know all that God wants you to know. And you've not done all that God wants you to do. Some of you have been a, a Jesus follower longer than I've been alive. And you know a lot of stuff and you've been through a lot of stuff. And yet God's not through teaching you just yet. And so Peter says, listen, you always ought to be learning and growing and hungering after the things of God. And then he says, add to that knowledge self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. stick to Some translations translate this as patience. It has a better idea of endurance. Aaron's version would put stick to Just sticking to it. We all know people, and probably we all have at various times, waffled in our faith. And by the way, it's not bad to question faith. In fact, it's necessary. That's what questioning that faith and wrestling with some of those things is what helps us to make our faith ours. We've got to, you know, we don't get to heaven on daddy or mama's coat strings or the preacher's coat strings. We can only get there by our personal faith in Jesus. And so he says, add to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness. Reflecting the character of God. So he talked about morality in that first list, but now he's saying, you know what? Be reflective of the character of God in your life. And he said, add to that godliness kindness. Christians ought to be nice. That's news to some. And he says, add to kindness brotherly kindness. Got brotherly kindness, which is love. It's that word Philadelphia. That brotherly love. But then he says, add to your brotherly love, love. And this one here is not Philadelphia. It's agape. He said, add to your affection for one another and those that you like. Add to that self-giving selfless love, the kind of love that God has, you have for others. That's a difficult kind of love to give, isn't it? We all want it, and we're thankful that God loves us that way. But Peter says, listen, God loved you that way, 
He expects you to get to the place where you love others that way. He said in verse 8, he said, If these things are true of your life, then you're not going to be barren and you're not going to be unfruitful. And so a couple things about uh, this fruit and our walk with the Lord that we want to mention this morning. And the first is this, that our fruit should be increasing. The Christian life is not a stagnant one. In other words, it's not one you just, and it's not one you ever will accomplish this side of heaven. You should always be growing in your walk with Christ, and Jesus should constantly be showing you new and deeper things. But here's the thing, as you're learning, and as you're adding this fruit, because you see, there's something about fruit trees that perplexes me, and it shows God's design. When you go, and tomatoes are the best example of this that I can think of, when you have a tomato plant, guess what it does? It pops out a tomato. And once that tomato gets there, and you know, it ripe it and it turns red and you pluck it off that vine guess what happens you enjoy that tomato and you eat it but guess what happens another tomato pops up on that same vine it reproduces and grows and pretty soon you've got tomatoes or you've got cucumbers or you've got whatever you plant coming out of your ears and it gets to the point, if you're like, you, you've got more coming than you can possibly pick. And a lot of folks, when they have a garden, they're calling their neighbors, they're calling their uh, co-workers, they're telling everybody, hey, come and get some cucumbers. Because there's only some, I mean, you're begging people to come help you harvest these things. And Peter wants us to understand that is how it's supposed to be in our Christian life. That we shouldn't and never think in this world that we get to that place where we've arrived. There are always things that God wants to teach you. And that God wants to accomplish in you and through you. And that's the good news of the gospel. And here's the thing that we have to remember and where we often get in trouble is that my growth and your growth aren't at the same pace. And there are some Christians that are more mature in their faith because they've been Christians a whole lot longer. And there should be in the church young baby Christians. A healthy church needs baby Christians. And it needs mature Christians. And it needs Christians in the middle. A healthy church has people along all of those stages. Because those baby Christians need mature Christians to walk beside them. And to help teach them. Just like when you were a kid, you, you know, every, every boy anyway, I suppose it's probably the same with girls, wants to ride a bike. Well, guess what? When you're four or five, you can't naturally ride a bike. Most people anyway, there may be some natural, you know... Uh, people who are really gifted at it, but most of us, 
We can't do it by ourselves. Somebody has to teach us, don't they? And we start with training wheels and, and somebody, you know, an adult hangs on to that seat behind us and kind of runs behind us. And we need that in our Christian life. We need brothers and sisters around us holding us up and helping us. But there would be a problem if Carl rode up on a bicycle and he still got training wheels on that bicycle. Now, I do think he probably needs some training wheels on that motorcycle he's got. Uh, I worry about him falling over, but that's neither here nor there. He keeps asking me if I'm going to ride with him. I ain't going to ride with him just yet. Uh, but he's got that motorcycle. But if, if he rode up with a, a bicycle and he'd been trying to learn to ride a bicycle for 40 years, 50 years, uh, uh, however long he'd been trying to get it, and he's still got the training wheels, is that normal? No. Is that healthy? No, it's not. And so there has to come a time in our Christian life where, yeah, we need training wheels when we're new babies in Christ. But there also has to come a time when we take those training wheels off. Not that we say, listen, Jesus, I don't need you no more. We still ride with Jesus. We say, hey, I can go a little faster and I can go a little farther. You know, I remember when I was first riding a bike, um, Mom would say, all right, don't go any further than the street corner. You know, you can't, you know, don't go further than where I can see you. But as I got older, guess what happened? I could ride further. And I could take, you know, not that I did, but I could have rode, you know, rockier paths and longer paths. And that's how it should be. As Christians, God expects us and desires for us to be growing. And we need one another to do that, by the way. So Peter reminds us of this important truth that our fruit should be increasing. But there's something else that Peter mentions about our Christian fruit tree, and that is that our fruit should be secure. Our fruit should be secure. There's something about a a good fruit tree. On its vines, the the wind can blow, and guess what happens? That fruit sticks right there with it. If the branches, though, aren't strong and secure, you shake that tree, guess what's going to happen? That fruit's going to fall to the ground. Paul says, or Peter rather, says that, hey, listen, make your calling and your election sure. Make sure that you're stable. Make sure that your Christian walk with the Lord is firmly planted. And by the way, what it's firmly planted on is important. Jesus used the analogy this way. He said a wise man is going to build his house on a rock. So that when the storms come, the foundation is still solid and secure, so the house is still standing. What does a foolish man build his house on? Sand, that's right. Sand is not a good foundation to build a house on. Because when storms come, and water falls on that sand, what happens to that sand? It gets washed away. And so if your house is sitting 
on top of sand and the sand gets washed away, what happens to your house? It gets washed away too. And so Peter wants us to understand that as we produce this fruit, and the more we grow in Christ, and the more we experience Him, and the more that our fruit is increasing, the more secure we are in our faith. James said this way, he said, you know what, don't be double-minded. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Peter wants us to understand that as a Christian, as we seek to live a life that honors Christ, and as we seek to produce fruit, that we are solid, that we're not going to be uprooted. There are some, occasionally some, Little weeds get growing in our yard. Usually, it's not hard for me to go out there, take that weed, yank it up and get rid of it. Now, we've got some crepe myrtle trees, and if you like crepe myrtle trees, I don't particularly like them. But can I tell you something about crepe myrtle trees? Once you got them, it's near impossible to get rid of them. Well, I've cut that thing back, so I said, surely I'm going to kill this thing. No, that next spring it comes back even fuller and gets even taller and bushier and messier than it was to start with. A tree that's firmly planted, has roots that are deep, you can't just yank up. In fact, if all of us went together and got around that crepe myrtle tree and tried to yank it up, it's not coming up out of the ground. It will take some serious power, take a big piece of machinery to yank it out of the ground or a good saw just to chop it off at the ground and then uh, dig the uh, trunk up. Paul says, you know what? Most Christians are content with just having sprouted. And when we don't add and we don't increase, we're not going to be very secure and so we get pulled up. Oh, don't be like that. Be like that tree that the psalmist mentions in Psalm 1 that's planted by the water. It has deep roots and is fruitful. That's God's desire and God's intention for you. Well, how do you become that secure tree? How is it possible? You grow. And you... You know, let uh, you, you grow and you exercise healthy habits that help you to be healthy and to produce uh, fruit. And so that brings me to the last thing that I want to mention is that God has given us the tools for a harvest. God has given us everything that we need. This is what he began, how he began his letter. He said, you know what, I am Peter, I am an apostle and a servant. Really, that the word that he uses is slave. He says, I'm a slave to Christ. He says, you know what? God has worked in my life. And God has worked in your life. And God has given you everything you need that you could be partakers of God's promises. 
So Peter says in that beginning introduction, God has given to you everything that you need to be a fruitful Christian, to be a healthy, reproducing fruit tree. What are some of the things that God has given you? Well, one is God's Spirit. The Bible teaches that if we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit is within us and empowers us and directs us and prays for us and teaches us. The Holy Spirit has a lot of important jobs. And we need Him. He's also given us His Word. And His Spirit helps us to understand His Word. And both the Spirit and the Word direct our path if we're willing to listen. God's given us church family. He's given us a pastor that preaches God's word. So I said, God has given you the things that you need in order to be fruitful. So Peter's unspoken direction is go and be fruitful. God has given you everything you need. But here's the thing. You have everything that you need. It's like probably every one of you have something, the things that are needed for my favorite breakfast. You've probably got some milk in your refrigerator. You've probably got some sausage. You've probably got some flour. You know what? That's all that's needed for some good sausage gravy biscuits, isn't it? It's hard to beat that breakfast. That's good breakfast. But you know what? You'd have all those things in your cupboard or in your freezer. You've got the, the pre-made biscuits. Having all those things available to you doesn't mean you've got biscuits and gravy for breakfast this morning, does it? Like you probably have a vacuum cleaner at home. That does not mean your carpet's clean. You've got to plug that rascal in, and you've got to turn it on, and you've got to run it over that, or you've got to have one of those robot ones that spins around by itself. So Peter says you have everything you need to be the man or the woman that God created you to be and to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. The only problem is it's sitting on the shelf. It's not a matter of just having it. It's a matter of using it. The Holy Spirit doesn't do you any good if you don't listen to Him and follow His direction. Having a Bible at home doesn't do you any good if it's sitting on the coffee table collecting dust. So Peter reminds us that, listen, God has given us all these tools with the expectation we use them. We put them to good use and we grow. And guess what? The more we grow, the more the church grows. And the more the church grows, the more the kingdom of God grows. Because as we're growing, others are coming along and saying, listen, there's something different about that person. They're saying, maybe I, I need some of that. And so you're not only being changed, but you're helping change others. 
And that's the way the program of God is designed to work. And so Peter says, listen, you've got everything you need. Use it. Put it to good use. Utilize discipleship resources. Uh, All you have available uh, as part of our church's faith life uh, subscription, uh, some Bible study tools. Uh, and if you need to know how to log in or you're not on the, the, the list for that, let me know uh, and we'll get you on it and get you uh, that. But those tools are available to you. Uh, Brother Bill, see if that website, up oh, it does. All right, so it's got all kind of, this uh, is Faith Life TV, which is part of that Faith Life subscription. And on this page, it's hard to see those squares, uh, but all kinds of different uh, Christian programs uh, if you scroll down, uh, eventually you'll get to our church, uh, pe- our church sermons. If you miss a Sunday, you can go here and uh, watch it on Faith Life TV. Uh, there's some other uh, good uh, Bible programs and other things that are available to you. That's one resource you can use. We have Sunday schools, uh, small group Bible studies. Uh, all those things, God gives us all those tools, and they're available to you. But they don't do you any good if you don't use them. Like if you want clean carpet, use that vacuum, plug it in and run it over that carpet. If you want to be fruitful and grow in the way God wants you to be growing. Because can I tell you something? A church is not going to grow unless it's full of growing people. It's one thing to say, yeah, we want preachers. We want our church to grow, and we do. And all of us would agree with that, I think. But if we're not growing, and I'm not talking about growing width-wise, I'm I'm talking about growing in spiritual things. If we're not doing that individually, the church is not going to grow. And in fact, the opposite if we're dying spiritually, if we're malnourished spiritually, the church is going to be malnourished and dying as well. And so the question becomes, what fruit is sprouting out of you? And is it just a little bit of fruit? Or is it a good, healthy, bushy fruit? God's will is for you to be fruitful and multiply. And he's given you, Peter says, everything you need to accomplish that. Well, how do we do it? We say, God, you know what? I surrender my will to yours. And God, I surrender my desires and my plan to your plans. And I want you to work in my life. And I want to follow you. And can I tell you, following Jesus is the most important decision anybody can make. But friend, can I also tell you in love that it's not just a one-time decision. It is a daily, continual decision. It says, God, I surrender to you. I want to grow in you. I want to be healthy. I want to 
be a, a man or I want to be a woman that when people look at me, they don't see me, they see Jesus. Can I tell you, that's God's desire for your life. He tells us so in Romans 8, 29. It's God's desire, is it yours? Let's pray together. Well, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your love to us. And Lord, we thank you that you have saved us and changed us or made that offer available to anyone that will receive it. And I pray that if there's one here today that's never trusted you, God, would you help them today to come to know you as Lord and Savior by acknowledging their sin and receiving you as Lord and Savior, to receive that free gift that you gave by shedding your blood on the cross of Calvary. Simply by faith, receiving that gift. And Lord, if there's some children here today, they're, they're, they're Christian trees, but they're not near as healthy as they should be. Would you stir within them today a desire to get healthy? They have the tools already available. Help them to take them off the shelf and put them to use. God, help us as a people. Help us as a church. Help us individually to reach the full redemptive potential we have. To show what a change that an almighty God can make in our life. And make in the life of whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. So help us, we pray, to be obedient and help us to be growing. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation, I Surrender All.